Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 33 of Prog Notes. My name is Destin. And I'm Drew. And today we are listening to Blackwater Park by Opeth. If this is your first time joining us, welcome to the show. We hope to educate and inspire you to uncover and learn about progressive rock music. There are just a ton of amazing podcasts out there, so we're very honored that you're with us today. And we would love to connect with you, so please give us a follow on Instagram, Facebook, or connect with us on our Discord chat server. All of these links are in this episode's description. And we always want to say thank you to our patrons for helping this show and these episodes happen. And you can become a patron with the link of course, in this episode's description. And uh, I just want to give this quick note. Be sure to stick around to the end of this episode to hear a nice groovy cover of Patterns in the Ivy by Drew and I. So that'll be interesting. Blackwater Park. What an album. Here we go. Blackwater Park is the fifth studio album by the Swedish progressive rock or progressive metal band, Opeth. It was released March 12, 2001. It runs just over 67 minutes across eight tracks. So this was Opeth's first outside collaboration with a with an outside producer, which was Stephen Wilson, as he's credited for producing the record. The band members and personnel for Blackwater Park consist of Michael Ackerfeld as the lyricist, vocalist, guitarist, and acoustic guitar, Peter Lindgren on guitar, Martin Mendez on bass, and Martin Lopez on drums. Additional musicians also include Stephen Wilson, clean and backing vocals. He also plays piano and guitar, as well as Marcus Lindbergh on Egg Shakers. Wouldn't you love to just have... That's have the credit? Thoughts? Yeah, 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 yeah. Wouldn't you That's love that? That's the credit. That's the credit. Oh. Yeah, Egg Shakers. Yeah. Well, egg Shakers. I'm glad they Is that not awesome? Yeah, I, I guess they were very thorough. So what are all the sounds in here? Uh, well, there are some egg shakers. There you are think people are going to want to know? Yes, people are going to want to know who's shaking the egg shaker. Yeah, Put that on I, the I, credit. Do it. I, I can't. Like, as soon as I read that, I was like, I have to put it in there, mainly because, you know, well, Marcus Lindbergh is obviously the guy who's – and he's credited on it. But hey, I'm credit <laughs> where credit is due. Credited. you got to know who's shaking that. <laughs> so, okay. Continuing on. The band was formed in 1989 in Stockholm, Sweden as a death metal man by David Iceberg. Uh, the band name is derived from the word Opet, O-P-E-T, taken from the Wilbur Smith novel, The Sunbird. Um, Opet is the name of a fictional Phoenician city in South Africa, and it's translated as City of the Moon. I'm not going to go too far deep into that. In 1990, Iceberg <laughs> asked former Eruption band member Michael Ackerfeld, who was just 16 years old at the time, to join Opeth as the bassist. And when Ackerfeld showed up to practice on the day after Eisberg invited him, it was very clear that Eisberg had not told the band members, including the band's current bassist, that Ackerfeld would be joining the band. An ensuing argument led to all of the members, but Eisberg and Ackerfeld leaving to form a new project. Michael Ackerfeld has now remained the driving force of the band since the original vocalist, David Eisberg, left in 1992. Opeth rarely made live appearances supporting for their first four albums, but after Blackwater Park, they have had several world tours. Speaking of albums as well, they have 13 studio albums currently. They have four live DVDs, four live albums, and two box sets. So what I'm getting at is Opeth is a band that you can explore for a while if you'd like to. And so Opeth headlined in Europe for the first time after this album drew. So... I'm just curious what the critics had to say about it. 
feeling good about this episode, Dustin. I had. Are you? I, I'm going to preface this whole thing by saying I had a good breakfast. I have oh my, my water right here next to me. And um, this is going to be good. I'm pretty. I'm, I'm very happy for you. <sighs> okay. The reviews. Oh, Everyone loved it. Basically. That's not entirely true. But by and large, this is a this is a giant of an album. And Dustin, you and I are big in the metal scene, so I don't think we knew this as well as like say like a name like uh, Hotel California by the Eagles or Asia by Steely Dan or Moving Pictures by Rush. But this album is to those bands is is to Opeth what those albums were to those bands. This is I think probably their their most acclaimed record if I'm not yeah. mistaken. Um, so let's get into it. Loudwire ranked this album as the number one prog metal album of all time. Here's the short description that they gave. With Blackwater Jeez. Park, Opeth mastered what could be capable with progressive metal. It's an album filled with personality and careful attention to detail, easily blending together moments of dissonance and harmony. Many bands try and fail to move between heavy and soft, one often taking more precedence over the other. But Opeth, clearly have a complete love for both sides of the coin and see to it each are treated by uh, sorry each are treated with by the music it's an album that can barely be labeled showing the way nearly every genre of rock music can be connected thanks to excellent thoughtful songwriting it's a masterpiece so that's just loudwire wow okay um, in 2012 loudwire again listed the title track as number two on their list of top 50 metal songs of the 21st century it, it is it is number 28 on rolling stone's 50 greatest prog rock albums of all time uh i'll read some of the review that that they wrote um that's uh, there's a there's a lot here so i'm gonna try to pare down as much as i can i usually like okay. kind of put everything here but uh through the 1990s swedish band opeth had steadily built a reputation for their unique hybrid of death metal, doom, and progressive rock. But it wasn't until their fifth studio album, that Black Blackwater Park, that those elements truly coalesced. Um, and he goes on to credit Michael Ackerfeld as you know one of the leading forces behind it, and he's you know his great songwriting ability. He also references Stephen Wilson, but we'll get into that later. So I don't want to elaborate too much uh, or read too much from the review from that. Um, I do also want to put in here uh, a little something that Michael Ackerfeld had said, and Dustin, I'm sure you'll expound upon this a little bit more later, but his kind of philosophy of the record. He said, I believe that if you are confined to one type of music, then you're missing out on so many worlds and colors, Ackerfeld told Metal Hammer in 2005. You're depriving yourself of some great experiences, and if there is a message in Blackwater Park, then that's what it is. Um... Everything is a noise website included Blackwater Park in their list of the pro, uh, in their list of the prog guide 50 essential prog records for every music enthusiast part 1. Um, just with all of those alone those accolades this album is clearly a must for anyone in the realm of prog rock because as we've said on the pat in, in in previous episodes Destin prog rock kind of shifted into prog metal in in kind of the uh, kind of late 80s and 90s and especially the early 2000s especially yeah. i mean crud the the kind of metal-ish ones that we've covered already were in the early 2000s we've covered tool which was Alara yeah. lateralis and we covered porcupine tree which was in absentia and both of those were early 2000s records 2001 and 2002 right yeah yeah and so, i mean if you yeah if you kind of get like 
Mars Volta is kind of also playing in that realm a little bit as well. Yeah, I, like I kind of, I agree, but, but I, I think to me that again, I said on that episode too, it seems more like punk prog, which is kind of unique in its own way. Yeah. But yeah, but I agree. Really no, I agree. They're a bit harder than some of the more symphonic rock that we've listened to from some of the, the classic prog pioneers. Yeah. Um, anyways, uh, but you know, music has definitely shifted in that way, particularly in the, in the sphere of prog. A lot of heavier bands have kind of come to the forefront of this genre. Um, and Opeth is clearly one of the biggest, and this record is one of the most iconic, I would say, just, just based on what I was reading about this record. And yeah. it's a testament also that our a lot of our discord members were absolutely hounding us for this and when i say hounding it was an entire campaign it was a campaign it was it was a campaign i mean it was basically a presidential campaign they had banners but, and posters they had, they had a commercial but, they had a budget shoot shoot all that to say it's it's a very highly regarded album um and i'll, I'll continue a little bit because these reviews are pretty intriguing all music gave it a five out of five perfect score that's the official score um and the user score now usually the user score is slightly less or, or slightly different in some way and I, I mean just from the stars that you see on there it's at least like a 4.8 or 4.9 it's essentially perfect and this wow. was from 1143 ratings on this website over a thousand people collectively is basically perfect which is crazy to me um Here's the official review that was written by Eduardo. I'm going to mispronounce his last name. Uh, Rivadavia? Anyways, not since the release of Tiamat's groundbreaking masterpiece, Wild Honey, in 1994, had the extreme metal scene witnessed such an overwhelming show of fan enthusiasm and uniform critical praise as that bestowed upon Blackwater Park, the astounding fifth effort from Swedish metal band Opeth. A work of breathtaking creative breadth. Blackwater Park named after an obscure German progressive rock outfit from the 1970s, keeps with Opeth's tradition by transcending the limits of death slash black metal and repeatedly shattering the foundations of conventional songwriting to boot. Rarely does a band manage to break new ground without losing touch with its roots, but Opeth has made a career of it, perhaps never as effortlessly as on this occasion. Um, like all of Opeth LPs, Blackwater Park is divided not so much into songs as it is movements. And I highlighted that phrase especially right there because that to me kind of lends to the whole, okay, it's not just metal. Uh, to me, it, 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 that, that phrase movements is something that we, I think, probably used that term on our very first episode when we were trying to kind of define what prog rock was. Certainly. Uh, I, I think that that's part of what makes this, this record kind of progressive as well as a variety of other elements at play. But I highlighted that specifically because I, I like that they use the term movements there. Um, uh, going through, it says Ackerfelt's vocals run the gamut from bowel-churning grunts to melodies of chilling beauty, depending on each movement um, of uh, or each section's mood. Um, Prague Archives gave it an aggregate score of 4.26 out of 5, and that's from 1,759 users. 57% gave it a perfect score. 27% gave it a 4 out of 5. So 84% of users on the Prog Rock Archives think it's pretty great. Uh, user Frenchie gave it a 5 out of 5 and described their sound as follows. Blackwater Park is an incredible album and Opeth is an incredible band. Very unique in what they do. There is no other way to describe their music other than gloomy, melodic, prog, death, metal. And my life mm. has certainly been enriched by this album. There's another user, Cygnus X2. Nice. Clever. 
gave it uh <laughs> I like gave it. it a four out of five and said to start i'm not a fan of death metal most music that contains more than half of the vocals that are screamed really annoys me but not this album this is the best album of that nature i've ever listened to maybe it's the quiet acoustic passages that set a dreary and dark mood maybe it's the solid complex and enjoyable metal riffs well whatever it is this is a truly great album michael Ackerfeld and company have a unique style of play and they do it so well stephen wilson seems to have a large influence on the band's sound for it is filled with his input and his piano slash guitar work the musicianship on this album is very solid the drumming is very tight and fits the metal mold very well the bass while not spectacular is very sporadic and full of texture the guitar work is superb for the genre that it, that they play in with very cohesive and tight play from both Ackerfeld and Lindgren. Um, so I, I also want to say in the review section I found on Metal Archives, which we've gone to before, uh, I think particularly for Images and Words, the Dream Theater record we did. Yeah. Um, by and large, not surprising, it's, it's a metal review site, so the vast majority of people really, really enjoy it. Um... I, I think just for our Discord fans, I'm going to read some some more positive reviews. Then I'll get into the negatives. <laughs> they, well, they clearly love it, and so I'm gonna I'm gonna let them gush about it a little bit and and hear what other people have to say that they really enjoy. Um, someone gave it a 97% on here. It was user Ingold1066. They said few metal bands can create atmosphere for an album as effectively as Opeth does on this album. Let alone switch from various moods and emotions to other multiple times in each song, as demonstrated here. The album contains moments of mystery, sorrow, brutality, suspense, calm, fear, longing, and overall autumnal atmosphere throughout. As a musician, I have noticed that at times the members of Opeth are playing as many as four melodic lines at once, a feat that only a handful of other metal bands can match in a coherent manner. The song structures are atypical and usually fairly complex, and the vocals, acoustic, and electric guitars fit into the overall soundscapes well and are unmatched by any of, of their other albums. So, hmm. uh, lots of praise going on here. There was a, I have to, I think you'll find this interesting. There was another okay. user on here that gave it an 82%. This was Gas, gas Mask Colostomy? I don't know what. Um, oh, man. What, I know these usernames are always crazy. I don't know, but I try to give you know the credit where I found the source. Um, one, uh, this was kind of a middle of the road review, which is weird because I found some people on this site who absolutely trashed it. Now that mm. is not surprising since it's the internet. There's always going to be a contrarian <laughs> in any type of fan base that says no, this sucks. And honestly, I didn't even bother like you know reading those because to be honest. They're not legitimate critiques. They are people saying, well, this just sucks. And Destin, you and I have our, our negative thoughts about this album, but I don't think they're unfounded. And I don't think that it's just trashing to trash it. And no. a lot of people on review sites will do that. And so no, I don't, I'm not even going to give them the time of day. But this person kind of had a middle of the road review. Um, and to be honest, I'm not even going to read that much of... <laughs> the review itself, but it was funny what he said here. He said, for those unfamiliar with the band of Opeth, firstly, where have you been hiding? And secondly, where are, here are the commandments of songwriting according to the Swedes. So this was hilarious. Huh? Okay. All right. And there are like six of them. There are six commandments here. Oh God. Number one, thou shalt include an acoustic interlude in every song over five minutes. Number two, thou shalt not write any song shorter than five minutes, excepting Shoot. acoustic interludes. 
Number three, thou shalt not let thine drummer slack off and play in 4-4 timing more than once per album. Number four, thou shalt create elaborate concepts that most people can't be arsed to understand. Number five, (laughs) thou shalt use two guitars to ensnare listeners in an emotional web. Number six, thou shalt switch ceaselessly between death growls and clean vocals, barring in thine early work and thine progressive rock accident that shalt end thine career. Whoa. And then he says, in essence, every early and mid-period Opeth album can be recognized by their adherence to those commandments, while the post-Watershed efforts require a whole new religion. By the way, for those unfamiliar, Watershed was a record that a lot of their fans consider to be a turning point. Some people like it, some people hate it. It's a very divisive album. Yeah. Um, While the post-Watershed efforts require a whole new religion, which results in about as much deviation as Christianity from Judaism after that Jesus fellow was crucified. (laughs) Holy crap. Blackwater Park, however, stands out among the progressive death metal releases in that it most definitely has the greatest commercial appeal and the greatest accessibility. Huh. Wow. Anyways, yeah, I know I went even, even Michael Ackerfeld, even Michael Ackerfeld agrees that, like, yeah, I just write super long intros. They're kind of <laughs> they're kind of long. They're kind of long sometimes. But even he said that, like videos, if you watch them, yeah. he'll admit it and he knows it. But that's hilarious. You know, it's his thing, and he's he's stepping into it. That's great. Um, anyways, uh, there's actually a lot of reviews that I skipped because I just realized I've been talking for a while. The oh, point is, this was very well received by a lot of people uh, from a critical perspective. Uh, from a commercial perspective, I think it only charted in Poland, to be honest, actually, surprisingly. Oh, really? I didn't even see that it charted at all anywhere. I think it did in Poland at like number 10 or something like that. Um, huh. But the point is, and you talk to any modern prog rock fan, if they're in the vein of prog metal, as a lot of people are, a lot of, you know, because that's just the way it's gone. Or anywhere in the metal, it doesn't even have to be prog metal, just metal. People are going to recognize Opeth, and they're probably going to to recognize this record. So yeah. this was highly, highly regarded. Anyways. Yeah. That was my long-winded uh, wow. answer to your question as to how it was received. I have like one thought that I was think that just came to my mind as I was listening to some cool. of the reviews. You, you cool. had, We're like, on a podcast, like, so I would state that now. I'm going to state that now um, before I forget it. But you were you had there were a couple people that you were mentioning like they were describing like the elements of the records and like certain things that are happening that you don't normally hear in metal, huh? You know, and I, I can't remember if you if you find it what I'm talking about like the guy was talking about the, you know the different melodic lines going on and the different all kinds of different and that's just not a thing that happens in metal. Um, it's it's very clear that like if they heard progressive music, like maybe '70s progressive rock music that's this wouldn't seem much of a shock it's just more of a more of a genre cross rather than a like oh my gosh they're just so much different or I'm, i don't know like when i'm listening to this i'm like yeah i've heard stuff like that before this is just in a different kind of style it's just in a more metal context you know what i'm saying yeah yeah i i, I see what you're saying i think it's I, I think this would be kind of a shock yeah to people who just like like who are mainly metal fans. Yeah, who like metal. Who just listen to metal, like metal, you know, straight death metal, the purists, all of those. Yeah, right. this album would definitely be much of a shock coming from a lot of those metal album, you know, metal sites and stuff like that that had the reviews on them. That makes perfect sense. To right. Me. I think also what you're saying, Destin, or rather part of the reason you're thinking that way, and correct me if I'm wrong, is that a lot of 
the tapestry of metal is a lot of distorted guitars and rock has that too. Yeah. Rock has that too, but metal, it, it, it is like that with every single metal band is a very, very similar aggressiveness. Yes. To every, every instrument. Yeah. To most songs in, in any metal bands catalog to be considered metal. And that sound is just very common throughout all of that, you know? Yeah. Um, so it maybe sounds kind of homogenous to you. And to me, it, it does too. I'm not, I'm, yeah. but I think maybe that's kind of why you're thinking is that it, it's just, it's not that inventive is that, well, cause tonally, tonally, a lot of it sounds pretty similar. Yeah. So, yeah. but yeah, in terms of, in terms of structurally and how, how things are being composed, that's like, yeah, we're, we are clearly adopting seventies Prague elements. composition elements yeah. into yeah. this music and people at the time, right? I mean, we're in 2001 right now. Uh, they, they, that was huge. People hadn't done that before. Right. You know? And so um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a uh, sort of a dip back over here into 2001 in Sweden. Because I wanted to talk a little bit about the music scene that was going on at the time. And I found this interesting because I, I'm always curious about like, you know what's going on during that time what's going on in the country or what's going on musically how how is this pushing right right and which is what it's exactly what we were just talking about like what 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 why is this different why does this sound different to everybody so i did some research on the music scene in 2001 sweden so that's I know, I'm very interested to hear this specific. Yeah, this is kind of your section, so I'm 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 gonna learn. Yep, I did I did all of the the research for this here, and you did all of the reviews, which is which is nice. Hashtag teamwork. Hey, you know what? Let's let's give it up for ourselves here. Hey, yeah, you know, let's, let's give a little it. pat on the back. We're doing a good job here. Um, <laughs> here we go. So this this album was released in 2001 in the 1990s. Uh, this was a time noted as the, and, and I, I, I'm sorry if I pronounce this incorrectly, but it's, I think it's Sharon uh, Phenomenon. That's what they were calling this, the Sharon or Sherian, whatever, Phenomenon. Uh, I'm going to go with Sharon. Sharon Studios was led by Dennis Pop and his protege, Max Martin. Uh, maybe you know or have heard that name, Max Martin, because there are only two people ever who have written more number one billboard hits than Max Martin. And that's Paul McCartney and John Lennon. So wow. this this dude's huge. All right. Their their inner their influence on the international pop scene was huge. I mean, they did massive hits for bands like Ace of Bass, Britney Spears, Backstreet Boys, NSYNC, Westlife, Celine Dion, Pink, etc. So during this time, Sweden was on fire when it came to producing pop music in the in that country. I mean, they, they were they, number one after number one hit. I mean, I was literally going through the billboards and you could see all of just that number three, number one, number two, number five, number three. I mean, all throughout the 90s. Alternatively, the Swedish death metal scene was also being developed during the 1990s, right? So this is the pop side. Now we're going to go into like what's going on metal wise, specifically in Gothenburg and Stockholm, Sweden, um, where Opeth was actually originated from, which is which was in Stockholm. The Stockholm sound was pioneered by bands like Entombed, Autopsy, Repulsion, and Rotten Sound, etc. Entombed uh, is actually a band Michael Ackerfeld has said in an interview is one of his personal influences. 
The Gothenburg scene, or what some historians call the Gothenburg sound, was marketed as what we know today as melodic death metal. And they brought more progressive influences and a new wave of British heavy metal riffs and styles and stuff like that. This scene was, or sound, was pioneered by bands like At The Gates, Dark Tranquility, In Flames, and other bands to arise out of this scene and sound are Meshuga, Edge of Sanity, Cemetery, Soil Work, and of course our very own Opeth. So music historians mentioned two different scenes going on during the 90s. They have the Stockholm and the Gothenburg. And I found this so interesting because the band, because Opeth was formed in Stockholm, but they recorded Blackwater Park in Gothenburg. Huh. Yeah, they recorded it at Gothenburg at Studio Friedman, right? So, and, and this isn't like a suburb. Stockholm to Gothenburg is about a four and a half hour train ride. Right. And, and I believe Opeth had recorded every record prior to Blackwater Park at Friedman as well. So, I, I, you know, it, it gets me to think, right? I wonder if they got a taste of that Gothenburg sound or if, if the city influenced them at all during, during the time that they were recording this. I'm not right. sure. I don't know. It's just speculation here. I'm just throwing out information. You make up your own interpretations. Frederick Nordstrom uh, is the operator of Studio Friedman. If you're familiar with his name, you probably know him from his heavy metal band Dream Evil um, or his production credits. Because this dude has, he's considered one of the top metal producers in Europe, period. Um, but also, also one of the central figures of the Gothenburg style. So see, we have this, you know, he's take, Michael Ackerfeld's taking influences from the Stockholm sound. But he's also recording music in Gothenburg, and they're you know they're recording the records in Gothenburg. And the guy who owns the studio that they're recording at was one of the leading central figures of the Gothenburg style. So I just find that interesting. Uh, during this time, there was the pop scene was going on, and then the metal scene. There were two different kinds of styles that you know Gothenburg sound or melodic de melodic death metal, and then more of that uh, what they called overdrive kind of sound which was entombed autopsy rotten sound and etc etc and so um i could i could go on about this but you know we can start talking about Oathpath now but if you'd like to check out more about swedish metal i suggest taking a look at a website it is swedishmetal.nu swedishmetal.nu because it's a massive database of bands and reviews so i'd highly recommend checking that out if that's something that you're interested in so I just find all of that to be quite interesting during the, you know, putting yourself back in the time period of going, you know, what was happening at 2001. And so, uh, yeah, that's, yeah. that's my, those are my thoughts and, and stuff that I found on Opeth and this time period, as well as Sweden, what was going on. And so now we can, we can start talking a little bit about our opinions on the record. Of course, we, we always uh, deliver our opinions and we, we like to tell and uh, express our musical opinions, lyrical opinions, production, taste, whatever. And uh, we usually do that just in a conversational form. Uh, this episode is going to be a little bit different in a way that Drew actually has a nice journal journey. Right, Drew? I that do. We're going oh, to, uh, that we're going to oh, take on, a let me, look at. Let me get my notes out here. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. So, so you you have tracked you have tracked the the first moment that you heard this record, and continuing to listen to it because I believe I don't know about you, but I've heard this record preparing in preparation of this episode probably fifteen times. 
don't think yeah. I've had it that many times. I've ha- I've heard it several times. I don't know if it's, I hit the it's fifteen been a, mark. I, it's been a lot for me. And mine was probably over. Mine was was over ten. I don't know if it was fifteen though. Yeah. So it might have been. Either way, you've listened to it a lot in the past month that we, you know, from the last re- from the last episode that we recorded. Yes. But you have recorded has. now a journal of your expressions and opinions and the way that you were feeling as you were listening to this. Is that right? Yes. Yes, it is. <laughs> I know. And uh, and you're going to share that with us, obviously. Yeah. <clears throat> so so Drew's journal journey of Blackwater Park by Opeth. What do you what do you got for us? I have not seen or heard any of this, so right, it's I'm a couple. This isn't this isn't going to be forever. This is just like two two pages basically. Two pages, page, okay. Page and right, a half here. That's fine with me. Electronic page and a half. Maybe that's more than a physical one. Shoot. <clears throat> December third, twenty twenty. Holy crap! The change of tone. All right, here I know. we go. All right, I gotta December, I gotta sit back here. <laughs> December third, twenty twenty. Yeah, I can't do this. I absolutely detest these vocals. I knew Screamo was not my thing before this record, just based on the very brief interactions I had with it. But this just cements those sentiments. Listening to this album is a chore. I feel like I'm marching through quicksand, and I will be exhausted by the end of this. The more Michael Ackerfeld shouts, the more I can feel my soul leaking out of my ears. On top of the harsh vocals, these guitars are so distorted and just sound the same throughout this 67-minute Goliath. The saving grace on Blackwater Park is the mixing. Even though I'm not sold on a fair chunk of the record, I have to admit that the mixing on here is phenomenal. I can hear each part perfectly, even though I'd rather not hear many parts of this record. The sound quality of the album is top-notch, and I have to commend Steven Wilson on his skills as a producer. Also, Patterns in the Ivy is a great song. December 20th, 2020. I've done it. I've listened to it a few more times. Praise the heavens for giving me strength to endure. The vocals continue to beat me down, and with each blow, my hope falters slightly. This is an eternal nightmare from which I yearn to wake. However, I have come to appreciate a few more pieces on the album. In addition to Patterns in the Ivy, Harvest presents itself as a shelter, surrounded by the chaotic storms of sound that spread throughout the majority of the record, thrashing around as if in a state of eternal agony. The delicate, lilting piano at the end of the Leper Affinity affinity, is placed perfectly in stark contrast to the rushing energy of distorted guitars that directly precedes its tenderness. Sorry, just listening to to the vocals. Sorry. January 3rd. 2021. My weeks of searching for redeeming qualities on Blackwater Park have yielded many rewards. My journey has not been in vain. The vocals are marginally, marginally less annoying to me. And maybe that's because I have reframed the album slightly and have come to see the screaming as a monstrous character. Creating that persona is the only way I can get through this. All that said, the actual singing, not screaming, on this album is quite pleasant. The album would be far better if it reduced the amount of screaming or maybe replaced the screaming with singing or something else. I think the heavy instrumentation would still provide the energy that the fans like about this album. I have also come to see many more pieces and sections of songs as brilliant. The Drapery Falls is an excellent song, and it is one of my favorites on the album. The beginning and end of Dirge for November is nothing short of magnificent. I also really like the instruments in Bleak. That Eastern mode is super super captivating and hypnotic. It's unfortunate that the screaming has to ruin that mood. The more somber movements are like lampposts in the darkness, 
of Blackwater Park. Oh? January 8th, 2021. This album is progressive rock. There are multiple time signatures, complicated arrangements, long songs that have many different sections and moods, and lyrics with more sophisticated vocabulary. The main prog rock element it misses is an inclusion of keyboards. There is some piano on here, but not much. And this isn't a problem, but it's something that I noticed when listening to it. And after several listens, I understand why people appreciate this album so much. I'm still not sold on the whole thing, but then again, nothing's perfect. I should focus on the good, right? The compositions are unique, the playing is excellent, and there's a lot of great rock slash metal energy. No reason to bash the whole thing, right? January 15th, 2021. This album is my friend. People who don't like it simply don't understand the complexities and subtleties adorned throughout its eight tracks. The guttural shrieks are hypnotizing, the kick drums are appropriately spaced and not excessive at all, and the lyrics are more than just depressing and mindless, mindlessly nihilistic. Blackwater Park is perfect. It is a masterpiece, and anyone who disagrees with that is a savage and an idiot! It is not enough to obey Blackwater Park. You must love it. That was the final entry. Oh my gosh. In all seriousness, after listening to the album several times, because obviously, yeah. In all seriousness, after listening to the album several times, I did come to appreciate a lot of elements about this record. It's still not my favorite, and we'll yeah. get into the screaming some even more because that's that's a huge issue for both you and me. Uh, it's still not my favorite, but I, I I can't fully embrace the screaming. But there are riffs and lyrics and performances on here that are sublime. For people who really enjoy intense metal music, I think this is an absolute must. And uh, since, it, since it combines those moments with some softer melodies, harmonies, and instruments, adding a more diverse and complete sound. Uh, as you can tell, I, I kind of embraced a bit of the, the Stockholm Syndrome there, which makes sense because <laughs> they were formed in Stockholm. Right, that makes perfect sense. So, yeah, uh, I was kind of... Uh, I, I was brainwashed by this record. I guess that's kind of what... Is that the effect they were going? Is that the effect they were going for? I don't know. If, I don't know if it was going to be like brainwashed. I mean, I, I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not sure exactly if it's Stockholm syndrome or, or, or they're supposed to brainwash or if it's if it's just no. gaslighting. I'm not sure. Man. <laughs> no, I, I, I. You know, the, the screaming is really what got me, and it's still something that throughout this whole thing was difficult. It, it's one of those things, Dustin. I think you were saying this before we started recording. That's something that I had felt even before he said that. You know, when you listen to something multiple times, you you find things to appreciate about it. Yes. And um, there were several things that I found on this record that I really appreciated. So as much as I bash the vocals on here, and there are several things I don't care for about this record, I do have to say, after listening to it several times, each new listen was, okay, actually, I can get I can get into that. I can get into that, and I can get into that, and oh my gosh, that's actually really brilliant. How did I not notice that before? Yada, yada, yeah. yada. Yeah. So, that, there has, that's there, how There's an element there, yeah, where it has, like, you know, the more as the more you listen to it, it certain different pieces start to grow on you a little bit. Um, and But I think for both of us, and I know that you mentioned this, and, you know, just in the uh, journal entries, that like the musically musically it grew musically it grew on us vocally marginally grew yes 
Vocally, there were moments where I was like, I don't know why, but this isn't annoying me as much as it did. Yep. It's still not great, but okay. Yep. I'm not, I, I'm used to it now. I'm used to it in a sense. So it's just not as, as irritating. And yeah. then, and then, then you listen to other music for like, you know, a couple days. Then you go back to it and you're like, oh, shit, no, no, no. I just, yeah. I just can't do it. I just can't do it. I was, and, I've, I've been listening to it, you know, and I've heard it a bunch of times. And I was, even as listening to it, you know, in the later time, you know, the, the like the seventh or eighth time I listened to it or whatever, you start getting like, you know, because a lot of the time we've had we've had situations where we've come into albums where we were like, we first heard them, we're like, oh, God, no. But then over time, oh. it's like we grew to appreciate it. We yes. We grew to like it. And we grew to yeah. like the, the record as a whole. Uh, Delau's and the Comatorium being one of those records. This, yeah. though... To me, I've gotten numb. Like, yeah. when it comes to now, some of the riffs and all of those metal riffs and stuff like that, I'm like, oh, heck yeah. And, like, I'm sure I would be able to get into it with, like, a bunch of other people. Like, if I was listening to this with, like, a bunch of other people and they were all, like, getting into, like, the, met, the, you know, the metal riffs and stuff like that, I'd be like, oh, heck yeah. But listening to it, like, by myself, just with headphones or in speakers or something, and those the growling, guttural vocals, I'm like... I, I, I literally do not at first at first I hated it, right? Like just like your very first journal oh, entry. Yeah. We're like, God no. Like, yeah, heavens no. I do not no, no, I do not like this. And it's just that it's stylistic. <laughs> I reject this. I reject this. Yeah. I <laughs> but but now I listen to it and I don't even feel anything. I'm not even listening to it anymore. That's, I'm not even listening but, to the vocals anymore. It's see, just but, like it's just okay. Goes so the by. vocals is the main issue, probably right. It's the main one. The I think, main for issue me. is the, yes. Okay, the drums so, are okay. okay. I, I enjoy the drums and stuff like that, and and the riffs. Like I said, the riffs. There is like in the Leper Infinity. There's an awesome riff that's in that. Uh, Drapery Falls, Virgin yeah. November. There's some great leads yes. and stuff like that that's going on. Patterns in the Ivy is just a beautiful composition. I mean, just yeah. absolutely beautiful. Uh, and and even the very beginning of Blackwater Park and stuff like that, it's like okay, cool. This is like super interesting, and and the metal riffs, it's like yeah, I, I understand it. I don't see any difference with like a quote unquote normal metal record. I don't see any difference with these records or these riffs and those riffs. Um, I'm not going to say they're recycled metal riffs, but they don't sound any different to me when it yeah. comes to the other other kind of metal, so like pure metal or whatever. Which makes sense because that's those that those were the bands that these guys were listening to, right? And they were writing this. They were, you know, they brought something different to it. And uh, but but the vocals are the the vocals are the main deal. It's All the right, main so deal. Look, I, no, and I agree. I think the vocals are really what is the most jarring. Let's part break. Let's me. break that down. Let's let's look at the statistics on this because I I I, I, I had to do it. I he, had, he had to. I he had, had to. to. I was thinking, we have to defend. Was, we was, have get, to defend this. Well, here's the deal. Here's the deal. I was. I was like, oh, it's just all screaming. It's just all screaming. I'm like, well, maybe it just seems that way. Maybe. It well, just no, that's seems the argument. That way. That's the argument. Right? Okay, because oh, say, yes, because it's so. It's such a jarring sound. It's such an intense sound. It's such an abrasive. I'm sorry. Even if you like it, it's abrasive. It is objectively abrasive. No, it's not objectively abrasive. But it's it's dark. To a lot it's, of people, it's yeah. an abrasive sound. Right? It's a. You know, it's. That's pretty it, good, Drew. It's, into, it's I can do better. Anyways, <laughs> I can. I'm not going to, but I can try. Um, I mean, yeah, yeah. Anyway, but I was thinking. So you know, because of that, maybe it just seems like the majority of the lyrics are being screamed because it happens in in more than one song. 
And even just if it's even in just more than one, I can just instantly say, well, it's all of it screaming. And I was like, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to just say it's screaming. I'm going to, that it's all screaming. I'm going to see if it is. Maybe it's not. Maybe, you know, because there are some very pleasant vocal melodies on here singing that are, that are sung and not screamed. Yep. And I'm listening, I'm listening to the person right now. I'm listening. I'm literally in my mind thinking, okay, somebody's listening to this and they're going, yeah, but, but it's not all that. It's not all screaming as, as we're sitting here talking about just the growling vocals and everything. Right. But I sat Somebody, down. Right. And, and yes. I'm, I am here. I am. Here, I am here to tell all of you that I did the math. And I'm also a genius when it comes to. Oh, no! <laughs> I was well placed. Thank you. I, I did the math. He did okay. the math. He did the math. I did the math. <laughs> there are 1,000. Okay, here we go. We're diving in. 1,241 lyrics on the album. 735 of those lyrics are screamed. 506 are sung. That means that roughly 59% of the lyrics on this album are screamed. Five out of the seven songs on the album that have lyrics have a majority of the lyrics being screamed. The exceptions to this are Bleak and Harvest. And okay, let's course, break that down. Adams and the Ivy doesn't have any lyrics. Right. Number one, The Leper Affinity. 203 words, 38 are sung. 165 are screamed. Let's percentage that. Let's. That's not a word, but I'm using yep. it as a verb anyways. Yep. I, let's do it. 18. Percentage 7. that. Percentage that. Oh! Hey, can you just percentage that for me? I love that. I love All right. it. 18.7% were sung. 81.3% are screamed. And I'm also a genius when it comes to music. Absolutely, Michael. You certainly are. Number two, bleak. 263 words. 160 are sung. 103 are screamed. That means 60.8% are sung. And I'm also a genius when it comes to music. Sure. 39.2% are screamed. So again, majority are... Majority clean on on bleak. Yes, sorry. My bad. Majority are clean on bleak. Clean vocals. Number three, harvest. 181 words. 181 are sung. It's completely sung. 100%. All right. And I'm also a genius when it comes to music. (laughs) Number four. The Drapery Falls, 188 words, 88 are sung, 100 are screamed. So 46.8% are sung and 53.2% are screamed. I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to go ahead and make a statement right there that that one's probably in terms of all of the screaming, that one is probably my favorite on the record. In I... terms in terms of the songs that have the screaming. Of course, I love Harvest. I think that's a great song. I love Michael's clean vocals. I love that. I do too. Um, and I and, think uh, even accompanying the him in the background as with the harmonies, and having, I think he actually does do lead vocals for like a couple of them, right? Who? Steven? Steven? I think there oh, are like one or I, two moments where it's I, like I, him, I couldn't tell you. Honestly. I don't know. They do kind of have similar voices. But it's like almost right down the middle. I mean, that yeah. one's probably close 50, 50. That's closest to 50 50 on, on, than any other track on the record, right? It's very close, forty-six point eight percent, and then fifty-three point two. Yeah, that's very that's close. close. That's the really close. Falls is kind of a middle of the road. It's closer than any you. other song or any other song on the record, right? Uh, yes, absolutely. That's what I thought. Yep, that's what I thought. And I'm also a genius when it comes to music. Number five, dirge for November, sixty-nine words. Sixteen or sixteen of those are sung, which is twenty-three point two percent, and fifty-three percent, or sorry, fifty-three words are screamed, which is seventy-six point eight percent. Number six, the funeral port- portrait. 171 words, 23 are sung, which is only 13.5%. 148 are screamed, which is 86.5%. God. 
Number seven is Patterns in the Ivy. It doesn't have any lyrics. Number eight is Blackwater Park. 166 words. Zero are sung. They are all screamed. All 166 yep. are screamed. Yep. So, so in, in, in hindsight, what is it? What was the, what was the overall? Go 59, to 59% of the lyrics on this album are screamed. So a majority of the lyrics are being shouted at you. Yep. Yeah. Which, and, and I just, and that's, that's when I go, that's when I go numb. I, I really, I really do. And I've it's heard an this record enough. I've it's heard an assault. Enough. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it, but, but. And I'm also a genius when it comes to music. Oh man. So I'm just going to leave that with you. <laughs> I don't know if people understand that. That was something I had found from a live performance when I was listening to this album from various sources. I, I found a live recording of, I believe, the leper affinity. And at the very beginning, if it's Michael Ackerfeld <laughs> like talking to the crowd and he says, I am the heiress. I, I don't know what he's talking. It's, it's, I in, don't know. It might be Latin. He says, I am the something of Sweden, I, I think. And then after that, everyone's screaming because, you know, it's all their fans are all screaming in the background. Yeah, yeah. And gives a little pause. And then just out of nowhere, he just goes, and I'm also a genius when it comes to music. And I, I showed that to Destin. And I think both of us just couldn't stop laughing. We couldn't stop. I, I had to sample it and just now use it whenever I feel like it. And I'm also a genius when it comes to music. Unreal. Yeah, you're going to spam that. It's going to be out there. It's going to be out there. Um, but so anyway. anyways, all that said, that was kind of a fun thing for me to do with, with getting all the the you know, breaking down all of the lyrics and the percentage of, of each. So we get uh, it. Song. That's the so, deal. We get it. We understand that yeah. <laughs> it's not all screamed, but that doesn't change the fact that, I mean, if you, if you, let me ask you this, if you didn't, if you listened to a record and 60% of it, you didn't like, would you listen to it? <laughs> yeah. 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 That's a good I way mean, to put it. Just think about it now. And now all, all that said, uh, as I think I've kind of briefly alluded to, uh, or I'm going to allude to earlier when I said that there are some moments on this record that are that are genuinely great. I, so I know I presented it in kind of a funny format and almost sarcastic in the journal entries. No, <laughs> some of those were absolutely sincere. The Drapery Falls has some absolutely magnificent moments. Harvest absolutely. is a, a, a hauntingly beautiful piece. Patterns in the Ivy is lilting and beautiful. There are beginnings and endings to songs that are nothing short of absolutely genius the end I'm of dirt for november is beginning of dirt for november both of them but particularly yes. the end both the beginning and end of dirt for november are absolutely marvelous they're, they're great and i'm not just saying this to to like to appease our fans who who really like this record no yeah. i genuinely enjoyed those parts so you can you know what chalk that up to a win yeah all right that's a <laughs> yep. no, no seriously 100%. There's some excellent parts on here that I didn't think that I would like unless we were forced to do this record. So, you know, applause to your campaign for making us do this record. I love how you said forced. <laughs> that was <laughs> sorry, but it's true. This was well, it's the, it, there was some extent. coercion. I to think there was extent. some coercion for sure. I'm not going to go into what they did to coerce us, but it was coercion. That's hilarious. um no. It, this 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 was an interesting record to do. And obviously we have very, very colorful opinions on, on all of this. Yeah. I want to go into, I want to go into, uh, cause it's just a huge part of the record when you're listening to it. Um, uh, more with the vocals, but I, I had said in the journal entry, something about like a monstrous character. Yo. Yeah. Oh and, yeah. Yeah. Bring this up. Okay. So here's, here's, here's the deal. I was thinking, okay, maybe this is a concept. Maybe this is a concept. Okay. Yep. 
I can get behind this a little bit more. I still wouldn't like listen to it all the time, but I could get into this a little bit more. There's a cool story here, right? Uh, yep. I was thinking, hmm, you know, the screaming some kind of monstrous character born out of a man's soul. Maybe it's a physical man- manifestation of the dark thoughts of a person that acts as a symbol for the dark thoughts that we all have from time to time. Yep. And maybe this because, creature- because we're comparing this between clean and, and, and the guttural. Right. Maybe this creature lives in Blackwater Park. Maybe there's a backstory there. Maybe there's a reason he lives in Blackwater Park. Those, these are the thoughts that I was having yep. that actually intrigued me. And I was like, you know what? That could easily be a thing. Oh my gosh, this could totally be a concept could. album. Yeah, totally could. Like you said, the, the contrast of vocals. It would, it would make much more sense. But then I found out that the screaming is just an Opeth thing. I, you know, this was my first Opeth record. I hadn't heard, and I don't listen to very much metal. This is, it was used on previous records before. Michael just screams most yep. things. So yep. the monster is out of the window, that whole idea. Also in an interview, I just, I'll, I'll, I'll say what he said here. Um, I think Ultimate Metal website interviewed him. He said, well, let's talk about the lyrics right now. Is there a concept to this album? And Michael Ackerfeld said, no, I really didn't have a concept this time. I felt like I have done that uh, the last couple of albums. I wanted to do something different this time and maybe a bit more personal lyrics because obviously the concepts I come up with are pure fiction. I ended up writing lyrics 10 days before we were supposed to record and I wrote pretty fast. I didn't spend much time. Basically, I ended up using everything I came, uh, I came up with. I just wrote. It's not a concept, but you could say that there's a kind of link between the songs because they all pretty much deal with the same kind of subject which are basically just personal thoughts taken from some kind of dark subconscious I got. I think all people have got some kind of dark inner thoughts, and I kind of brought that forth for the lyrics uh, this time. I found myself being much more secluded from everything. I don't enjoy the company of people that much anymore. I'm kind of suspicious of people. So hmm. that's what Michael had said about the you know but, his kind of depressing lyrics but um, no overarching no concept whatsoever no concept this, this this is more about the individual songwriting right so, so uh, there, and, there is no concept between like anything anything that you were talking about right um i i think i could have gotten around behind this record a little bit more if it was conceptual i think i would have enjoyed it a little bit more there would have been more sense to why he's screaming and again again i know it's a, it's just a thing that people are that like it's a style it's a style. it's a style and hey it's not for me but i think i could have embraced it slightly more if there was a fun story if there was some lore to explore yep hey that rhymed i like that i would be i was way too excited about that yeah you were yeah you were. i, I mean I, was, that I, was wasn't okay. I promise it wasn't pre-planned it's all right it's all right um that's kind of a like redundant thing to say pre-planned if it's planned, <laughs> if it's planned you don't need like... the, the prefix of pre. Why did I say that? I don't, I don't know. I mean, that's the thing that people say, though. Anyways, the monster could be cool. That could be a really cool concept. Like, where did he come from? Why does he haunt Blackwater Park? And hey, if we get enough patrons, maybe a bonus episode idea would be you and me can create, Destin. A concept. A, short, a little short story, a concept. Yep, we'll, a concept we'll from Blackwater Park. A short story, and we'll do a bonus episode as to Blackwater Park. I think that would be fun. It would be now, fun. Had, I would love that. Anyways, I would love that. Um, Go so become a patron. Become a patron. Help us get those numbers up so we can get more content out to you. Link in the description. Jeez. Um, <laughs> uh, I also want to say that um, I think there could be another. When, when I when I started hearing this for probably the second time through, I was like, hmm, there could be another lead vocalist for this group. 
I've heard this kind of screaming before. And Destin, I made a little clip uh, for <laughs> for this episode. Uh, you usually make the fun clips. I, I did something fun this time. Yeah, yeah, you did. So uh, this, this is, uh, to me, I think this fictional character from SpongeBob, Squidward, could also be the lead singer of Opeth. And here's a demonstration as to why. Here we go. Technique, 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 technique. First I do this, spin around, stop, double take three times, and here we go, pelvic thrust. Woohoo! Woohoo! Oh, stop! On your right foot, don't forget it. Then bring it around, down, and a little of this, a little of that, a little of this, this, that, 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 <laughs> I mean, that is seriously what came to my head when I was listening to this. It was like the second time through. I was like, oh, my gosh. This reminds me of when Squidward's screaming to make a bubble. To, bu- oh to blow God. a bubble. Oh. Uh, anyways, I-, I think it's pretty close. It's not too far off. Uh, no, definitely. Anyways, that was, something, that was something fun I did. Yeah, I love it. Squidward could be the lead singer of Opeth. In case Mike Lagerfeld, you know, he wants to take a break or go on vacation for a little bit, you know, they can right. replace him with Squidward. Well, and they would call the tour the Squidwater Park tour. That, duh. I mean, right? Duh. Uh, duh. Right. That's just low-hanging fruit. Uh, yeah, it is. It's just... <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. There's something about this album with in terms of the vocals, and because we're still on the topic of this, of, of why... <laughs> of why why it is uh, or how we could call this progressive in a way okay. and because you know because michael michael's death metal influences came from like morbid angel autopsy entombed obituary straight death metal bands or, or what michael calls them pure singers like david vincent from morbid angel is 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 an influence you know so it's, it's like even when it comes to the vocals or even just how how opeth or not opeth but this album specifically how is this progressive and uh, it goes back to, I think, what we were mentioning before is that this was not something that you commonly, that was common in metal music, switching between growling and clean vocals, as well as going from, you know, zero to a hundred within a song. And uh, I think that's probably the biggest thing that, like, I could see this being, and, and why we're putting this on the show, is because it was a turning point for the genre in the terms of metal, because now we could do something different because it introduced clean vocals into a genre that was so full of growling and screaming, right? So moreover, it's like a, it started like a, like a subconscious, like osmotic process to where we're now we're allowing different musical elements to creep into metal. And that's kind of my thesis statement, I suppose, when it comes to what, what this album, uh, or how, how this album is, is, is uh, progressive in a way, especially in the metal world. Um, I know some bands that are progressive metal don't have the clean and the growling vocals, i.e. Porcupine Tree, but there's different musical components there that make it a little bit more progressive. And so Opeth, like, musically, though, we've talked about this, Drew. We were talking about this several times where you talked about how you really, really enjoyed how the production, and I totally agree with you, how 
this album has aged very well in terms of a production standpoint. Like the sound's incredible. It totally stands the test of time as a well-produced metal album, unlike Images and Words. Continuing, you know, <laughs> I, I there's this there's something there that, and you mentioned you came up with you, I guess put the term that I, I was thinking of because I was like babbling out words of thinking like I just don't understand like it, it has this what you called illusion illusion of dynamics. <laughs> this is it was the illusion of dynamics because. I, as you listen to this, and there's several, mo- there's some moments on the record where it has a lower feel to it and a softer feel to it. Uh, there's one uh, movement or section of the Leper Infinity that's kind of like that, where it's kind of acoustic, but the drums are also with it, and they're kind of grooving along. And I think there's a like a small solo that's right there. But there's this, I don't know, like several times in the record, it goes from like acoustic guitar to like. 100 and running and then it goes back down to like you know soft piano there's no and building and then there and then it goes right back into it like right back into 100 and i'm just not into that whole like going from zero to 100 because it just right they don't sounds, they don't build yeah yeah it just sounds it sounds cheap to me it really does it's just like we're going boom yeah 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 and then boom we're off and it's just guitar. It's just acoustic guitar. It's pretty. It's pretty for the moment that it's lasting. But then just the growling vocals just coming right back into it. The whole band and just the it's it's all the way back up. And I just I don't know. Like I said, there there's some exceptions to that on this record, but the majority of it felt like that to me. And I was like, oh my gosh, like it would go from this really nice, and you'd want it to go somewhere. Like you want it to sort of go. Like I'm I'm, I'm thinking more of the classically. Uh, 70s prog stuff where it's like we're gonna take something and then we're gonna build it and and you know shine a new crazy diamond is as a perfect example like we're gonna take this and explore no no it's like either we're here or we're at the top we're at the bottom of the top and we're just we're just keep going it's it's an illusion of dynamics to me right and i i don't know man that's just something musically that i didn't appreciate that i was just kind of like eh okay not my favorite but I could see how that would could be a very progressive thing to do. Is is to because it is. I mean, dynamics are used a ton in progressive rock music because we have different we have different movements and you can't keep it boring. You can't stay at level zero the entire time. Like we got to go somewhere. And uh, but I don't know. I feel like this just jumped up and down, up and down too uh, quickly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh... I, I, I would have to agree. Um, I guess it didn't bother me as much as it did you, but I know what you're saying. Um, I think maybe I was just really into the moments that were soft um, and some Same. of the metal riffs. Um, but I, I think that there are other progressive elements on here as well. Um, and I'm not sure how novel the whole switching between growling and singing thing was. Uh, again, I haven't looked into enough metal to know this, but I'm just thinking instinctively of lateralis by tool and they do that as well and this was the same year yeah so i don't know which came out first or if they took inspiration from one another yada 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 but you know tool did the same thing um and yeah maybe that but for both of them maybe that was kind of a novel thing in that that genre um yeah but i do i do also see some other things on here uh and i'll get into this later on but the, the lyrics were 
they use more sophisticated vocabulary. There was some, I want to say art, artistic intention behind it, but I don't, I don't agree with that, and I'll get into that more later too. But the sophisticated vocabulary um, and something almost seemingly esoteric about these lyrics um, that I think is not common and could be, you know, wedged into, you know, the, the category of prog, progressive. Yeah. Um, and I think there are some moods in here that add some suspense and that could be progressive. Um, there are some complex parts. Uh, there's some really cool, I think it's in the Drapery Falls. There's kind of like frenetic guitar playing um, that almost seems like there are two different guitar lines being played at the same time. You know what I'm talking about? Uh, I think it's in oh, the Drapery I think so. Falls. Um, anyways, that's just kind of bizarre and kind of out there. Almost reminded me of Robert Fripp from King Crimson. Um, and the, the, the songs are long. They have movements. Um, and as as jarring as they may seem or as stitched together, sloppily stitched together as they may seem to you, right? Because you mentioned that they're just kind of, oh, next section. Boom, yeah, oh, compositionally. Stop, start, yeah, stop, stop, start. Not, even, not even compositionally. It's the, it's the form of the music. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the structure and everything. But yeah. there are movements. Uh, and they're all part of the same piece. Um, and it does give some sense of a journey that you're going through. All of these elements, I think, are kind of progressive rock that they incorporated into a into metal in order to make it prog metal. So, yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. In terms of like the riffs and stuff like that, definitely. Like some of those riffs, they have like different different sections where they're yeah different things like layering on top of each other and like different parts that are playing all at the same time and stuff like right. that. Yeah, that's that's super progressive i mean even uh peter lindgren the guitarist i mean one of his influences is camel so like you know he has some of that sort of 70s progressive rock in him already that i'm sure that he's bringing into a metal context right oh also if anyone has never seen them play live look up a video it's it's just funny to me i mean i'm sorry they all have the long hair and a lot of bands do i mean crud a lot of rock band glam pop all this stuff from whatever long hair has like been a staple thing but man with them they're always looking down they're not like oh yeah so they're looking down at their and so the the curtain of, of hair just falls in front of their face and while they're kind of grooving along it looks like a bunch of mops just swaying back and forth i'm sorry it's just funny i know i was watching a live name video and name it name it mop path it's mop path it's i mop like that path. yeah we'll just name them mop path it's just funny to me. I, I wanted to take a little bit of a look at the lyrics just because I, I really have an affinity to do that, apparently. Yeah. Um, but I'm also a genius when it comes to music. Shoot! <laughs> I have very mixed feelings about the lyrics, and part of it is due to the, the way in which they're presented, i.e. the growling and the screeching. If you strip that away and just look at the lyrics, there are some pretty redeeming things in here. Um, I went in wanting to dislike them, and I had a prejudice, I'll be honest, since I don't like the idea of, like, just death and suffering being the only themes in the songs, which is what pretty much everything that I thought Death Metal touched on. There, there are some moments where Acrofo writes some pretty powerful words, uh, and there are some excellent uses of, of, uses of imagery, and I, I'm just going to read some of the, the ones that I, I like. Okay. So... This is from the Drapery Falls, one of my favorites on the record. It says, Please remedy my confusion and thrust me back to the day. 
This next part is what I really love. The silence of your seclusion brings night into all you say. I really enjoy that. That is just perfectly worded. And it's it's haunting, but it's done in such a, a I don't know, an artistic way. I yeah, really like the silence of your seclusion brings night into all you say. Um, in Bleak, I kind of like the form that he does with the whole beating, heart still beating for the cause. You know, and he's kind of growling all this. Feeding. Soul still feeding on the loss. Aching. Limbs are aching from the rush. Fading. You are fading from my sight. Uh, And then there's a couple more lyrics there. But I really like... uh, I like this part where it says, Dying. I am dying fast inside your tears. I really enjoy that. Uh, I mean, again, these are all dark. But it's written very well. Um, However... This is the other side of the coin. Some of the content does seem excessively depressing, which may or may not be par for the course with this genre. I don't really know. Yeah. Uh, I'm guessing it is because it's called death metal and black metal. So, you know, uh, but it, it can get old and rather numbing after a while. The yep. use of language is quite inventive, but the subject matter does seem to be repetitive and the intrigue starts to dim for me at least. And some of the writing is downright melodramatic, which can be a <laughs> A little much. That's a little melodramatic. Yeah, that's... Yeah. Uh, when <laughs> when it's hard to relate because it's so dramatic, that's kind of where I check out. It's like, where, where can I relate to? Where is the reality behind this? You know? Um, for example, <laughs> what is the point to the title track, to Blackwater Park? If you look at these lyrics, it's just a description of suffering without any point to it. There's nothing to offer except despair in a melodramatic tone. But I'm also a genius when it comes to music. (laughs) I'm okay with a sad sentiment. I like a lot of dramas. A lot of my favorite movies and TV shows are really, really intense things. Lots of sad things happen in them. And if it's done well, I dig it. I can really get into it. But to me, I'm sorry to say some of this content, again, I know I just praised some of the, the, the lyrics on here. There are also moments where it just seems like self-indulgent, morose nonsense. Um, self-indulgent, morose nonsense. Uh, and, you know, <laughs> you, can tell, you can tell just by reading the lyrics that they were yeah. rushed. I know I just read that thing where he, he was talking about the concept album and that it wasn't one and that I was just writing lyrics. He wrote it 10 days beforehand. Not to say that you can't come with, up with some great stuff in just a short amount of time. You know, that happens all the time. But you can kind of tell that these were rushed. Like, yes, there's advanced vocabulary, but you can tell that he just kind of wrote what sounded good to him. And some of it is good. There are some moments that I think are good. This is, hey, that's good. I really like that phrase. Yeah. However, he didn't have to worry about how it would fit in the song because he was literally just yelling it over the other instruments rather than seeing how the lyrics fit into the piece of music, to the rhythm, to to the melody. Yep. Sometimes uh, the lyricist has to rewrite or tweak the lyrics a bit so that they can fit the rest of the composition. But with this, he just slapped words on top of the music. And you can tell, you can get away with that because you're just yeah. screaming it. There's no rhythm when you're just literally having this ominous fog of. Yeah. There's a disconnection there. It, it, the combination of. The combination of obviously screaming them and honestly not really being able to understand 100% of the vocals all the time. Yes. And then also just kind of slapping them on there. There, there is a disconnect there. there. It just, it causes a disconnect, which is, again, 
I mean, just lends lends to my argument of going this these vocals have just made me numb. Like I don't care for them, but I I don't even hate them anymore. I just feel nothing. Right. I'm just apathetic with it. In fairness, in fair, I know I just kind of slashed the wall, but to kind of humble myself and to temper myself here, a lot of prog lyrics are nonsense. That's true. Like the ones that I love, the the songs that I love. This is such a great song. This is a classic. If you listen to the lyrics, you can tell that some of the times the lyr- the lyricists were kind of up their own butts, if you know what I mean. They were yeah. kind of like, I think this is cool, and this is what I feel. Here it is. Cool. That makes no sense to anyone else. And you know what? I'm pretty sure it doesn't make sense to you. Right? <laughs> Let's be honest. Look at John Anderson lyrics of Yes. Like, at, what, close what? to the edge. Yeah, what are, you, what are you talking about? Okay, dude? you got inspiration from Herman Hesse's book, Siddhartha, but I, I don't get, what? This is so artistic and so pretentious in a way. What is it? mean and how can i relate to that you know which so, lyrics do you think are, uh, are are easier to understand yes or steely dan steely dan steely dan really yeah yeah maybe it's I'm, the way he sings them and that's another interesting conversation and we won't go too far down this because this is just a conversation for a whole other thing but and, and i feel like everyone can feel this way lyrics are very their, their effectiveness is very much influenced by how they are presented, how they're sung, what melody they are combined with. Right. Very much so. Um, anyways, that's 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 a whole other topic as to oh, how yeah. effective lyrics can be and all of that. But I, I was just interested because I, I always kind of like to look up uh, the lyrics um, on, on, on you know a lot of the records that we cover. And for this, I, I had mixed mixed opinions there were some phrases here and there that i really really enjoyed that i could really grab onto uh overall though it seems melodramatic and it seems a bit much and i don't know i i i try i always go back and forth because i like some dark stuff too i love edgar Allan poe and he's very macabre just as these lyrics are yeah but me there's much more nuance much more suspense much more feeling and artistry, like an intentionality behind a lot of that type of writing. And again, it's a different form, right? Lyrics uh, versus a short story or even a poem. Right. It's different. It's different. I I understand, right? Um, But there are some similarities to where you can't just say, well, apples and oranges, you can't compare. Well, no, you kind of (laughs) can. You can with this and this. You know, a, a mastery of the language here, um, that one has and one doesn't i think so anyways that was me giving my two cents yeah that's interesting though i didn't i didn't know that the lyrics were just sort of that were written that quickly um which also just goes to show as well i mean i mean sure i mean they didn't compose the music that quickly right so they had the music done but they didn't have the lyrics done so it's kind of like all right here here, here's what we got and then we're gonna throw the throw the singing on top of it and it had some of its moments on there, but there are very few and far between moments lyrically, not lyrically, but vocally, that like really kind of hit. You know what I mean? I think that's why I'm always kind of struck with when, when lyrics can really hit me effectively and how they're done and just kind of hearing how it's done because every band does it differently, right? Um, yeah. I feel like by and large, majority is probably they're working on the music first and then they're going to put lyrics on top of it. I think most of the time it is it is two different spheres 
It is two different thought processes. And that's why I'm always really struck with with Rush, because I love their I love Peart's lyrics. And he was totally detached from the music for the most part. And so there was obviously tweaking that way. And you can tell, right? I'm sure that whatever his first draft was, Getty was like, I don't know. Or Alex was like, I don't know if that can fit into this music that we've written. We will have to kind of tweak some things here right, and there. Yeah. You know what I mean? Take yeah. off take off that word, take off this, or you know what? Let's replace that word with another word that has fewer syllables, but it's just as effective. There's an art to it. There's an absolute art to it. Um, and with Rush, they always, for the most part of their, their catalog, they can deliver a pretty interesting and profound message with their lyrics on top of some really excellent music. But yeah. of course, this is us just gushing about Rush again. Love Rush, but right, yeah, it's true. But still, it, it, coming back to like even just the feel of it, and all of it's all of it's just extremely bleak. Haha, <laughs> get it? That's a but, song on the album. Yeah, but hey. it's, you know, it's kind of grim. This is something that I'm I'm not a massive massive fan of, but then again. All of that to say, I mean, when it comes to some of the the riffs on the record and just the and the energy on it and the way that it moves, like it's a slap to the face. Like if you're not prepared for something like this, it's gonna slap you. Like I'm not, I'm not, I'm not sucked in. That's the thing. I'm okay if it's dark. I'm okay if it's bleak. I'm okay if it's grim and macabre and deathly. I'm okay. With, I'm okay with that. But I'm not sucked in. What for the majority of it? Again, there are some phrases here and there, but when I read these lyrics as a collective piece, and also how they're presented again with the screaming, I just I'm not saying sucked in because of the screaming is part of it, and another part of it is again I just think these lyrics are like okay, you're getting a, a sense of a feeling, you know, death of whatever. Yeah. But what am I supposed to be latching onto? This really does seem like let's put it this way. You've just got a color of paint that you're slapping all around on a wall and you're not forming any legitimate shapes for me to identify. Oh, I see that square in there. This makes me feel like this. I see that shape in here. This makes me feel like this. That squiggle makes me feel like this, whatever. You are just slapping the coat of the same paint all over it. And it might be a pretty cool color, but there's nothing more than that color. I need some shape added to that. I need something to give it meaning. I don't have that yeah. with this record. That's probably a really bad metaphor or analogy. No, I mean, I, I yeah, I'm, <laughs> I get it, I get it, and I'm just thinking shoot, about it. I get it, shoot. I mean, I, I, mean, I get it. You know what I'm saying? But yeah, it just even this, like even this, is this going on right now? I'm like, I'm tired. <laughs> like, dude, I'm well, really am. This is 67 minutes, man. Well, Hold on. All right, hold on. What is 67%? Is that Hold on, no, no. Sorry. Not 67%. What was it? What was it? go back to the statistic on the amount of vocals that are that are growled. What is it? 59%. Okay. Okay. So so how do you do this math? You got 67 minutes. Shoot, but this is the best part. See, but you come back to this part and But, it's but you brilliant. see how it went from 100 to 0? Like yeah, I did. I'll tell you though, man, that composition and that plane is magical. It is magical. 
That's is brilliantly this is brilliant. performed. This is brilliantly performed. Yep. Brilliantly shaped as far as the tone of the guitar and the atmosphere surrounding it. Guess and there is reverb kind of too. Like how far? Yes, and there's kind of an ambient keyboards on there, which I didn't notice until just now. That dude, that that may not be a keyboard. That actually may be the reverb. It's very. It's yeah. You might. Awesome. Yeah, you might be right. Awesome. Now that I listen to it. Yeah. No, you might be right. But yeah. brilliant. I mean, just yeah. It's gorgeous. Again, there are some moments on here that are worth. I'll I'll say this. This album's worth listening to 100%. Again, you know, I know we kind of have taken the axe to it a couple of times. There's some pieces on here that you should hear. You should definitely hear before you die. I mean, excellent, excellent compositions here and there. Yeah. As, as a whole unit, I think you and I can agree it's a bit much for us. But, um, yeah, there's some moments on here that are great. There's some songs that are, here that are phenomenal. Great. Yeah. Yeah, and, and, and you know, it, it, it goes to show as well as like people really love, and you said this in one of the reviews, it's like Michael can be, he has this characters or personalities. He's, or he Jekyll and Hyde, man. Super, yeah, it's like this soup, the super dark with the very, very beautifully wilting or somber, melancholic, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. And people really, really, really like that. I know it's yeah. from the people that I've talked to in our in our Discord, which you guys should totally join if you haven't already. People really like that combined with how dirty it is. Yeah. And I get that. I, I totally get that. If anyone else is interested, uh, and Dustin, you you might be as well. Uh yeah. I'm sure hardcore fans already know about this, but they did have a bonus second disc disc with this album. And they released uh, two songs on that called Still Day Beneath the Sun and Patterns in the Ivy 2. Ooh. And both of those songs are very soft. They're not like uh, the majority of really heavy stuff. They're both kind of more acoustic, softer pieces, and they're pretty great. They're wow, pretty great. I didn't know that. So, Patterns in the Ivy 2 is something I'd be interested in for sure because I yeah. love, love that melody. Mm -hmm. Such a great melody. I got a question for you. What do you, what, what do you like more? Did you, you like images and words more or less than this record? Um, I, this is hard to say. Which one do I dislike more? Labrie <laughs> or the Ackerfeld growl? Oh, Labrie or the Ackerfeld growl uh, versus. Now, yeah, we should really do a versus. Uh, bonus episodes versus. Versus, um, yes. Versus episodes. Um, I, I think maybe it's just because I've heard this more recently I, I might like this one a little bit better i might like yeah. this one a little bit more because there are the moments in here that are really strong i think are a bit stronger that that i really enjoy that i really latch on to and like i said there are some where i'm like oh my gosh if you didn't have the screaming here it'd be great like bleak i really enjoy musically bleak from the beginning and then when the vocals come in i'm like see i i'm serious i was imagining i was like if you put a clean vocal on top of here this would be so much better this would be so so yeah. much better and like all of the Opeth fans would go go listen to Post Watershed. I, I I mean the bleak music is really cool. I like the aggressive guitars there. I like that kind of Eastern ish, you know, foreboding kind of ominous tone. Yeah, uh, that right. is kind of that's fluid. It kind of has this fluid feel to it as well. Yeah, um, texturally, it's great. And when you add those vocals on top, I'm like, what? Why? 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 I know. Um, very mixed feelings about this whole thing. Yeah. Like, and I think that's what we're kind of coming to. This is a controversial to. album we, for yeah. me. 
Well, it's like it's it's not even controversial with it's controversial internally. That's just so weird. It's like, man, there's some great moments on this, but gosh, I cannot get past this. And then you have this hatred and towards this. And you're like, ah, just then I just feel apathetic about this. And then all the vocals and everything, it's like not even vocals, lyrics and all that stuff. But then it's like, oh, but it's got some really good drone moments and it's really well produced. Like it's there's a lot of pros and cons with this thing, at least for us. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree. Yeah, I would probably say this one again. Maybe it's just because it's been a while since I listened to images and words, but probably, probably I, I actually like this one more. Yeah, if you haven't listened to that episode, we 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 have uh, featured images and words on on the show. It's episode twenty six. You can go check that out. But do you have any final thoughts to say before we close out? No, no, that's it. Shoot, great. Well, I think we've just coming, we, man. We had a clear focus coming into this. Now I just feel like it's just it's just kind of muddied the water after this entire conversation. Well, so I don't even know what I don't even know what <laughs> what what are the conclusions? The conclusions is are are that uh, it's just kind of there. The conclusion is we had mixed opinions, but you should absolutely listen to this record if you like prog rock at all. Because clearly, this is apparent, it's it's a must. For people in the prog metal thing if you absolutely hate metal don't listen to it i'm serious like if this is something that's like i i just really don't like you know really harsh vocals like that and like really distorted guitars and like super loud like i i, I don't i think there are moments that are worth it to listen to it but if you really don't like that stuff and you know it it's going to be difficult to get through it yeah if all it's you listen to is the canterbury hard. scene don't listen to this album shoot what <laughs> No, seriously. If that's it's, if, if it's something you really don't like the whole metal thing, then you're really not going to like this. I yeah, will say, I think there are some moments in there that are worth it. But yeah, that's just yeah, me. for sure. Definitely. But really great way, moments. In this check movie. it out. Yeah. A lot of people like it. Maybe you will. We kind of, yeah. But either way, we would like to thank you guys <laughs> so much for listening to our podcast. These are our prog notes for Blackwater Park. If you enjoyed this episode, learn something new from the episode. Guys, please subscribe conversation does not have to stop here though in this episode's description you can join our discord server which is just a chat server for all prog rock fans and fans of the show you can also follow us on instagram and or facebook and maybe maybe you'd like to become a patron maybe you'd like to become a patron we have some great benefits that you would like to that you can uh, check out online that of course that link is in this episode's description as well uh, you get ep- uh, early access to some episodes. You also get to check some stuff out uh, with voting rights and Discord privileges and stuff like that. So it's it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. Again, all of these links are in this episode's description. But before we close out and, pre- and play um, Patterns in the Ivy, our, our little version, because we did a little cover of this, right? We were, uh, I think I was messing around with it on, on the piano and I was like, you know, that'd be a cool riff to find and uh, learn how to play it on piano to the best of my ability and uh, put some drums on it, sent it over to you and you dropped some bass on it. So we'll, we'll play that at the very end. But before we play that, what is the next record we are checking out in the show, Drew? Next record is going to be pretty fun. Uh, we're going to do Applause of a Distant Crowd by Vola. It's a band uh, from Denmark, I believe. They're Danish, right? Yes. Yeah, they are. Um, and we're actually going to have them on the show. We're going to have a couple of members of the band talk about that record. Um, a little bit. And I think some of the other stuff that they're doing musically as well. They're, they're a modern band. So this will be fun. Yeah. Um, to, to kind of see their insight on prog rock and their music and their process and this, this album. So 
Yeah. It's gonna be great. I'm excited. Applause of a distant crowd. I am. I'm super pumped. I, yeah, I love, me too. I love getting some insight from them, and they're Absolutely. on the rise too. Like they, I, they are a band that's on the rise. If you have not mm -hmm. heard any of their, they got a new album coming out very soon. If you haven't heard any of their records, I highly recommend you checking it out because it's it's pretty cool stuff, and that will be coming out on the 15th of next month. So join us next time as we discover the past, present, and future of prog rock. As promised, we're going to end this episode with a little cover of Patterns in the Ivy by Drew and I. Enjoy. We'll see you guys on Discord. Thanks. Thanks.